welcome to episode 53 of the Euro Trips podcast. And for this one, we're giving you sort of a two-parter. So this one is going to be all about our end of the season award. So we've got best signing, worst signing, we've got player of the season, manager of the season, and many more categories along the way. Hope you enjoy. And welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. Yes, I am back after my month hiatus. I am back to present the pod for the foreseeable future. I'm your host, Andy, as you will know from before. Uh, my first guest tonight, he's a long-suffering Arsenal fan. Um, we have Ryan. How are you, mate? Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was hoping to forget about them for the next few months. but oh, I know. Um, well, yeah, no, I'm fine, mate. Thank you. Good stuff. And our second guest is a fellow Arsenal fan. We have Naeem. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good here. Great stuff. And our final guest comes from us all the way, I believe, this week from Texas. We have Jonathan. How are you? I'm living the dream. What are you doing in Texas at the moment? I've actually just crossed into Arizona now. I'm. Ah, nice. Yeah, I was going to school on the East Coast in South Carolina. I got to drive my car all the way back to California. It's just a little... Easy 3,000 miles, so it shouldn't take too long. Oh my god, what's, that in, like, <laughs> what's, that, in, what's that in like days or hours? Or what, what is that? How long does that take you to get from Carolina to, to Texas or to sorry, to San Francisco? So, uh, let's see, this is it's been three days so far. I've probably got a day and a half, two days left. I'm going pretty fast, so oh four to god. five days is, is a pretty quick pace. Yeah, five days is a quick pace. That is um, quite astounding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was a smaller country. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm due to experience what you experience in a way when I go traveling around America, um, sort of coming up in the next few months. But it's, um, yeah, I think I'm going to be doing, not doing, I've been looking up different flight journeys and different, I, I, I Google like train, like there's some amazing journeys, beautiful train journeys you can see. And I looked up some and it's like two days and 16 hours. And it's just, <laughs> For a Brit, that's way too much. Whereas I imagine for people from America and Canada, it probably seems the norm, really, isn't it, for you guys? Yeah, two days train, that's easy. That's nothing. Wow, that is, um, yeah, that's something I think, I think we're probably too impatient, aren't we, as Brits? Um, <laughs> we, we, we like, fat, like, we like, we like fast paced sports. We like being quick when we got our food. We like, I think, just Brits in general, just like, get things done as quickly as possible. Um, but for this week, as you all know, the season is over. Um, so we are now going to go into a, sort of a double, a double header. But our first part is going to be both going through our predictions from the from the predictions episode back in August, whenever it was. And also we're going to give our awards to each of our respective leagues. But before we do that, we're going to give you some news. Um, Liverpool lost. Um Boris, I, I better mention it. Obviously, Liverpool did lose um, to Real Madrid on the Saturday uh, in the Champions League final 1-0 with the goal from Vinicius Jr. after some questionable defending from Trent in that moment. Um, as a fan, I can't really argue too much. We weren't really 
first half we were better, second half they were better, and I think overall um, Madrid were the more clinical really, and we didn't really create too much in that second half. And I think overall we can be happy with our season, and I still very am uh, with, with the two trophies. And I think some people are getting carried away and saying that because there's not four trophies, and because we, you know, there's one fan in particular, me and Ryan both know who we're referring to. One fan I remember was saying about um, how we scored no goals in the finals, but even so. I'm still very happy with the season, but it was disappointing to lose in the way we did. Um, Nottingham Forest are back in the Premier League after a 20-odd year absence. Um, the takeover of Chelsea has been complete from the LA Dodgers owner, Todd Bolly. Um, forgive me if I've pronounced that wrong. Uh, other news in football, there's continuing to be sort of investigations over the, the conduct of the French police after what happened in that final with a lot of local fans not getting in. Well, even I think when the game started, there were still fans trying to get in. Um, Ivan Perisic is in London for a medical with Spurs, which would be a great signing. Um, Scotland and Ukraine are preparing to face off um, in the next few days um, as they as one of them play Wales in the playoff final. And then finally, final news in the thing, it looks like Sadio Mane might be leaving Liverpool and Lewandowski might be leaving Bayern to go to Barcelona. But we are going to give our awards in the first part of our podcast this week. So we've gone for a few categories in each of our respective leagues. So the categories are, it's the um, the player of the year, young player of the year. We've also gone for, um, so player of the year, young player of the year, manager of the season, goal of the season, signing of the season, and the worst signing of the season. So the first league we're going to focus on in awards it's going to be one of the more exciting leagues in this season, Europe, Italy. So we're going to head to Ryan. Um, so take it away. OK, so I'm going to start off with player of the season, which is very tricky, considering there was a number of standout performances this season from players from a lot of different clubs, to be honest with you. Um, I've actually gone with Domenico Berardi of Sassuolo, just simply because of the one, the team he plays for, and two, because what he achieves throughout the season. I didn't mention him throughout the season too much. He sort of goes under the radar a little bit, but then when you look at his uh, statistics, they, they're really, really good. He scored 15 goals and got 14 assists, so obviously 29 goal contributions throughout the entire season. Eight man-of-the-match awards, which is extremely high. Um, and to contribute 29 goals pretty much in 33 appearances, you know, that's got to be up there with some of the best in Europe this season. So for me, he was just my player of the season. In terms of my young player of the season, again, this was tricky because I don't really know how we define a young player anymore, whether we define him as un- under 21 or maybe a little bit older because there were a number of sort of 22, 23-year-olds that had really good seasons. But I went with Rafael Liao of AC Milan just because he contributed to some very important moments and really got Milan over the line for that title. Uh, 11 goals and 8 assists throughout the season. And he seems to be a player that's improving every single season now, obviously being linked with Real Madrid. I don't think that will happen, but... For me, he just about pipped that one. In terms of manager of the season, I'm 50-50 at the moment and I can't really split them. I've gone with Stefano Pioli, obviously, um, to win the title with Milan. is an incredible achievement for him. 
considering they were viewed as outsiders. And the other one was Thiago Motta of Spezia, who we've mentioned on the podcast before that he has some very strange ideas when it comes to tactics. But the fact that he's kept Spezia up this season and you know, kept them up quite comfortably, really, uh, he's already been linked to, to bigger jobs. He's actually been linked to PSG job as well, unbelievably. So that'll be quite interesting to see if that does materialise into anything. But at the moment, I can't split them. I'm, I need a little bit more time on that one. In terms of goal of the season, again, this was hard because there was so many in Serie A this season. Alexis Sanchez scored quite a few decent ones. You had Antonio Candreva, who scored a really good one. Ivan Perisic got a few decent ones. But just because of the importance of it and how good it was, I've gone with Teo Hernandez against Atalanta in the second-to-last game of the season where he pretty much ran from his own box through most of the Atalanta team to finish it at the San Siro, making it 2-0, winning the game. You know, pretty much put him... You know, within distance of the title there. So that's my goal of the season. In terms of signing of the season, this again, this was quite tricky, but I went with Tammy Abraham simply because of his goal output 17 goals and four assists throughout the season for Roma. Quite a poor Roma team as well. They did win the obviously the Europa Conference League, but in terms of the lead, they were incredibly inconsistent. And the fact that he's still managed to contribute over 20 goals in his you know, first season in Serie A, he's had to adapt to a new league, a new language, uh, a new style of play. And uh, for me, he's the signing of the season, especially for how much they paid for him. My worst signing of the season is actually a fellow Roma striker in Eldor Shomorov, Shomorodov, I think is how you pronounce it. But this is a player that... Roma paid around 16 million euros for, and he scored three goals in 28 appearances for Roma throughout the season. So quite a poor output. output. He's obviously outshone by Tammy Abraham. Um, there weren't too many contenders for this one, really. All the big signings made by the bigger clubs all pretty much worked out quite well. So this was a difficult one to to pick, really. And this, although he got four assists as well, it might be viewed as a little bit harsh, but for me, he is the worst signing of this season. And just before I end my little awards part, just a quick shout out as well to AC Monza, who last night were promoted to Serie A for the first time in their history. Of course, owned by Silvio Berlusconi, former you know, Prime Minister of Italy, owned Milan throughout their glory years. And, uh, yeah, he's got his club back in, well, into the Serie A for the first time. And uh, this is a club that's had, over the last couple of years, the likes of Mario Balotelli, Kevin Prince-Boateng, you know, come and go. Um, you know, the only sort of notable names, really, in there at the moment, Gaston Ramirez, formerly of Southampton. But it'll be interesting to see what they do next season. Obviously, he's got Andrea Galliani, one of the, the powerhouses of Italian football, as their chief executive, and they've got big ambitions for next season. He's already come out and said that he wants to take the club to the Champions League. Being that he's 85, I don't think he'll see that out, quite frankly. But depends how much money they're willing to put into the club. Uh, already being linked to 
the outgoing Torino striker Andrea Bellotti, which would be a major coup if they could get him in, but they're going to be a fun watch next season. Yeah, Ryan, you can no longer give me stick for pronouncing players' names. Well, that's a hard name to pronounce. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I'm, I look at the name now, and it's it, it's quite a mouthful, I'm not going to lie. It's quite, I, even, I think I do, even I struggle with that. So um, I nearly didn't put it in just for that one reason, but I thought, <laughs> no, I'm not going to shy away from it. Yeah, you mentioned Tammy Abraham as well. I think he's really come to his own. I think there's been actually a few players in Italy who are British that have really excelled. You look at Chris Smalling and man the match in the Conference League final against Feyenoord. Mm-hmm. Um, for Kyo Tomori, has done well as well. There's a stat that had um, you know, four Smalling and Tomori. It really impressed me. So um, Chris Smalling did not receive a single booking all season for Roma. And for Kyo Tomori, was not dispossessed once for AC Milan in Serie A this season. So you have to credit them to and Abraham. I think Abraham is now loved by Roma fans. They're sort of, he's their main guy now going forward. And, Smalling obviously was brilliant at the back, and um, also Tamori has also been excellent. There's been, there's been increasing talks, isn't there, of um, the likes of Tamori, especially in Abraham, um, getting England called up to the World Cup. Because I think that, you know, I know they'll take Maguire, and I, I don't really mind that because he is he's always played well for England. But I think Tamori, especially, deserves definitely deserves a shout of being, you know, in the squad for England. And I think Abraham's probably the same thing. Without a doubt. I mean, We've seen a lot of English exports, obviously, over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, make that jump into European football where we didn't used to see it too often. And obviously, Jaden Sancho did it going to Dortmund, and obviously he excelled there. And we're seeing it now more and more often that players are willing to take a chance and you know go to these big European clubs and prove that they can do it in you know these other leagues. And as you say, those three players in particular, obviously Chris Mullen massively you know rejuvenated his career and. As you said, Tamori has been one of Milan's best players this season, along with Hernandez and Rafael Leal. So, yeah, I, I, for me, they they 100% deserve England callers. But again, obviously, with the World Cup being, you know, halfway through a season, it's, you know, it's going to be pretty much down to who, who starts the season in the best form, I reckon. Mm. But we know Gareth Southgate's got this sort of policy of. Uh, you know, going for players that have performed well for England in the past, which I can understand and I can you can argue for and against both of them reasons. But yeah, um, yeah, all three of them have been fantastic this season. Do you think that the fact that it's a Winter World Cup may help England? Because everyone knows what they've done the last two tournaments again to a World Cup semi and a Euros final. And no, certainly I was watching the documentary from Rooney today. And seeing all their failed, you know, 2004, 2006, one everyone mentions where, um, you know, they, they go into, they have a few weeks off and then they go into a World Cup and they look a bit rusty. Whereas, do you think the fact now that they, it's good for every team, but do you think England now, if having players in form mid-season, do you reckon that's said to more because they're, they're going to go straight from the Premier League straight to the World Cup with no real break, really, I, I don't believe. So do you think that, that will help England going forward in terms of the players not having a few weeks off after the season ends and not burnt out after the season ends because only two or three months in? I think so, because when you look, if the World Cup had been this summer, for example, you look at the Liverpool players, especially who have played an enormous amount of games this season. Same goes for Manchester City, you know, even Chelsea and Arsenal and Tottenham. You know, they've all. You know, the Premier League is arguably the, you know, the the most physical and you know most exerting of all these 
in, in most people's opinion. And when you when you got the Champions League and everything else to consider as well, it definitely takes its toll. And then obviously to go into the, the Summer World Cup isn't easy. So I think that will help. Um, then again, we can look at it and say, what if any teams and players in particular, you know, start quite badly? Mm-hmm. You don't know obviously what their confidence might be like. Obviously going into the going into the season, but I think it's definitely a, it's going to benefit England. Um, I think it, to be fair, it's going to benefit most um, most national teams, obviously. But obviously, again, you've got to consider the fact that we might see some injuries as well mid-season, which mm. could affect things. So, it's a, obviously, it's a strange circumstance. We've never been faced with it before, so it's going to be quite new for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, and of course, going to Naeem and Jonathan, of course, um, this actually this has potential. The group or cup this should have um, all of our nations in the same group. Obviously, if we get through through the playoff, we'll be in the same group as America and England. So there's potential for some really good podcast content coming up when the World Cup starts because we're going to be all of us are going to be involved in the same group. So Jonathan Naeem, um first of all, Naeem, we'll go to you. Um, I know we're going way off topic in terms of going away from the domestic leagues, but do you think England? How do you rate their chances going into the World Cup? I know it's miles away as well in terms of his few months ahead way, but do you think England, I think everyone knows England will get out of the group, but how far do you think England can go? Um, probably quarterfinals this time. I, I don't reckon they'll do well this time. I think, obviously, it's in Qatar. You know, it's, Although, obviously, the stadiums have air conditioning and all that, I think the weather is going to be a big factor for a lot of these teams that, a lot of these players that play in like Europe where you know the weather's a bit hit and miss most of the times. But I know it just depends if Gareth Southgate changes his approach really because you know he only really has one way of playing. Depends where he picks the right squad as well. Um so I reckon they'll probably get to quarterfinals. I think I think um he's peaked now if he if he even did peak as a manager, but it's gonna be more tougher this time round and I don't know, I think there might be a few surprises in there to be fair. There might be a few teams that might surprise I mean, countries that might surprise over a few people. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they'll get to the quarterfinals. You know, if they prove me wrong. Fair enough. I'll hold my hands up. But yeah, I think I think that their best chances of winning silverware was the last two tournaments, and they they fell short in the end. So yeah, I think it's just gonna, I think it might be a disappointing campaign. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, personally, I think that Southgate. I think England will go a lot further than the quarters. Personally, I I feel really good about England this year, and of course I. I personally wouldn't change it for South because what what he what he's done has worked the last two tournaments. So I personally mm. wouldn't wouldn't change it. But of course, the team that could surprise in the World Cup is America. So Jonathan, um, what what do you assess about USA's chances in the World Cup? Do you think that you can go beyond the group stages, or do you think that that's going to be too far at this stage for this young America team? Expectations are extremely low. Some would say. Rock bottom. Actually, I'm going to say I have no expectations because this team doesn't deserve to get out of the group. I think that, you know, there's a fair, you know, they have a decent chance to get out into the knockout stages, but I really don't see it happening. I think England will actually falter against them and they'll probably have some sort of boring 1-1 draw in which nobody can score to save their lives. And then Harry Maguire somehow starts and then lets in some silly goal um, off a deflection from Christian Pulisic. But no, I, I don't think um, at this point the U.S. are just a bit too young. Got some bright talent, but with just 
so many guys, 19, 20, 21. And, you know, you got Pulisic as the captain of the team with Tyler Adams. Both are still in their early 20s. That's a little too soon for the U.S., but the fact that they're even here and and didn't lose to Trinidad and Tobago this time around is at least a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think Taylor Twelman didn't get his moment of glory, did he, this year? He didn't get his moment <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, on to our next league. This is where I come in. Um, the Premier League. So, the first categories player of the season. Now, I think there's some definitely some honourable mentions. I think Young Min Son is, was ever so close to winning this for me. He was so close. I mean, he was joint top scorer. He got a few assists as well. Um, and me, De Bruyne as well. He had a really good second half of the season. Um, but I'm going for one of my own, Mohamed Salah. I think the fact that he, you know, we came so close to winning the league. I don't even mention what happened on the last day of the season. Um, the fact he's finished the season with the most goals and the most assists. I don't think it's happened too often before. Uh, I think Andy Cole might be the last person to get it. Um, Henri, I think, maybe. isn't it? Henri, maybe, actually. Henri yeah. was Henri, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I think Salah, I mean... The first half of the season, I think it was undisputed. I mean, Salah was the clear best player by a mile. I think he did definitely drop off after coming back from AFCON. I think um, maybe a mixture of burnout or maybe a mixture of the despair of the AFCON. Maybe got him, I don't know. But he definitely wasn't the same player when he came back. But I think for me, he's definitely just for me. I think for me, he's the second best player in the entire league behind De Bruyne. Um, and I think that he's had a really good season. I think he... Um, Especially now with Mane seeming like he's going to leave, I think Salah he may even get a new contract for that reason. Maybe they'll they'll be able to be able to pay him now. But um, yeah, Salah for me gets player of the season. I I think it was really close between him and Son for me, but I think Salah just pips it for me. Um, young player of the season, I've gone for one that Ryan will, and Naim already appreciate. Bukayo Saka is my young player of the year. I think <laughs> make the most. That's the last Arsenal mention we're getting in the whole episode. There's not much else they're going to get here. But um, I think we saw in the year, I mean, we're going to go on to worst team of the season in a future podcast. And there's a certain player who missed a penalty that's had an awful season as a result. Well, two actually. But the Saka missed a penalty, which ultimately won in Italy the Euros. But he's come back and he's not been phased at all. He's got 11 goals and seven assists in the Premier League. And he's played every game for Arsenal. He just looks to the, the misses almost seems to have um, almost upped his level a little bit. He seems to have really been buoyed by that miss. I don't know why, but he's really been excellent. I think he's been. Um, I know there's been Smith Rowe who was brilliant the first half of the season when he was playing more games. And I think him and Saka a reason why I think Arsenal have a really bright future. I think the young players they brought in, like Ramsdale as well, Tommy Yasu. Gabriel, I really like Ben White. I'm a bit hesitant on, but Bukayo Saka has been excellent, and with Odegaard and. Um, Martinelli as well. I think there's a really good core of young players. I think for me, Saka's been the outstanding one out of all of them. Um, you know, he's played in multiple positions for the team out wide and also when he first started fullback. So he can be quite versatile as well. And I think he's just been really good. Um, someone like Conor Gallagher deserves a shout. I think he was excellent for the first half of the season. Um, and yeah, I think someone like Phil Foden was good, but I think he probably just is over the age bracket now to be considered. Um, so yeah, Kai Saka for me. Is my young player of the year. Now, manager of the season is interesting. Now, people are probably thinking, is he going to say Klopp? The answer is no. Um, am I going to say Pep? No. I'm going for a manager who came in halfway through the season. I'm going for Eddie Howe as my manager of the season. Now, Newcastle started the season horrendously. They, were, they didn't win their first 14 games. And they finished the season nine points behind Man U, which says probably more about Man U's season than it does 
Newcastle's, but I think he's been really good. He's made him completely safe. He's completely turned around Joe Linton's um, career at Newcastle. He's been excellent. And I think Newcastle have really had a really good, the way they've ended the season, they've won so many games in recent times. And I think they'll definitely team to look out for next season. Um, so Eddie Howe for me gets it for that reason. I think Pep and Kopp are definitely honourable mentions. Um, I think Conte's one as well for what he's done with Spurs. And I think if Arteta had, Arsenal had got top four, I'd think Arteta would be a good shout as well. But he's still honourable mention because he still got Arsenal fifth, which is way higher than a lot of people thought they would. Um, goal of the season. Now, for me, for me, it has to be Salah against Man City. I know there's a lot of goals you could think about. You think of the Colchester's goal against Liverpool. Um, even that, a great goal. I think it was Smith Rowe or Martin. He scored a great goal against Watford recently. Um, but I think for me, just for the occasion of the game, it was the two best teams in the league. And obviously, this was the game, ultimately, that did almost decide the league in some way with it being a draw. If one team had won it, they would have won the league. So um, I think for the goal he scored, I mean, he scored a great one against Watford the week afterwards as well. And the goal he scored against City, the way he just turns round out of no, in a, in a, in a position where really he wasn't, you wouldn't think from the position he was at, he was going to score. And then he just gets past all those plays he did. It's an impossible goal to score, really. I don't, don't think I've seen many players do what he's done. So, Mohamed Salah, for me, is goal of the season. Now, signing of the season is, once again, a Liverpool player. And I do apologise for all the listeners. Is once again, Liverpool. It's Luis Diaz. I think that the impact he's made in January, when he came in in January, Liverpool were 14 points behind Man City. Now, you could also argue with Stanton City dropping points. But what he's, what he's come in and done, he's scored four goals since coming in. I think he's got three assists as well. And he basically has given us depth and that's one thing we needed because we had the front three for ages and then Jota's has come in you know he had a bit of depth but when now Diaz is coming in I think he's just made Evans up their game I mean he's bought in to replace Mane but Mane's performances have really increased since January um since he came in so I think he's come in settled in straight away and made a huge impact not only in the Premier League but also the Champions League he's scored really important goals against Villarreal and Benfica along the way to the final um sadly he was taken off after an hour in the final but um, I think the impact he's made has been excellent. I think he has just been what we needed. He's just come in, fit in straight away, made a really good impact towards the end of the season, especially when you look at the fact that we had we were competing on four fronts and we, need, we needed those players to be rotated. And he did he did that excellently. I think Aaron Ramsdale, especially for the first six months, deserve a great chat. I thought he was an excellent signing for Arsenal. Um, and I think since a low signing, Conor Gallagher as well was a good signing. Um, but worst signing of the season for me... Um, it has to be the Kaku. It really does. I think that someone I could mention is Jack Greedish, and I think he to be 100 million pounds and score three goals where one was defected and one was off your shin. I don't think it's great, especially when you see him mouthing off, teasing Bernardo Silva for um, not being good when he's not been good all year. But um, the Kaku for me has been awful. Danny Ings is also a big shout. I think he's not been what we we thought we get with Villa. Leon Bailey the same, but the Kaku for me it has to be. I mean, 100 million pounds a year. I mean. Well, 97.5 he came in for. When Chelsea signed him, he was meant to be the missing piece. I remember I actually watched them um, for about five minutes the other day. I watched an old rerun of the Chelsea Arsenal game this year. And I turned it on and Lukaku scored straight away on his debut. Everyone's talking about, I mean, me included, was talking about how he's the missing piece, how he's going to, um, you know, how he's going to be this guy who's going to take, take Chelsea to the next level after winning Europe. And Ryan actually... Shout out to Ryan. He absolutely nailed this in our predictions. I'm, I, that's one thing I do remember him saying he'd be the worst signing because he has been um, he has been awful. I mean, looking at his stats now, he's got eight goals in 26 games, which isn't too bad. But considering 
you know, he cost that much money and he's meant to be this deciding factor. I mean, the goals he scored, he scored one against, the two against Villa, one against a really badly formed Arsenal, didn't score for ages, scored against Villa and Brighton and then scored two against Wolves and one against a relegation threat and Leeds. He hasn't fitted the system. And he had that thing, didn't he, about where he wanted to go back to Milan um, and he goes on about, you know, wants to leave the club and he just hasn't really fitted the system and he really has been almost a detriment towards the Chelsea side. And I think that, it's no coincidence that you know Chelsea would be much better in the season when Havertz played false nine. But um, but Ryan, of course, you going back to you, you absolutely nailed this prediction beforehand, saying he'd be the worst signing of the season. And of course, you watched him in Serie A in the last few years playing for Inter Milan. What do you think has gone wrong for him? Why do you think it's gone wrong in terms of transitioning from Serie A back to the Premier League? Well, we know it's not because he can't play in the Premier League because we've seen before that he can play in the Premier League. He's you know, he scored a lot of goals for Everton and although it didn't quite work for him at Manchester United, he, you have to play him in a certain way, you have to play a certain style that gets the best of him and, you know, Conte, he did that at Inter, he played alongside a striking partner in Latario Martinez, um, you know, they had high sort of wing-backs who definitely helped him as well and just the whole formation and setup of the Inter Milan team really just got the absolute best out of Lukaku and I don't know maybe it's the expectation and the pressure of coming back to Chelsea um I don't know it's like I, said, I just I just had a sneaky suspicion at the start of the season that it wasn't going to work for him um Thomas Tuchel was someone who doesn't sort of compromise on the way he plays um I don't think he was ever really going to change how he plays Lukaku is not someone who is going to press, you know, that much. And, yeah, for me, I can see a move back to Inter Milan on the cards uh, this summer. Uh, it simply depends if Inter can raise enough capital to be able to get him in. But I think that's the only way forward. I don't see it really changing uh, in the Chelsea side then. Do you think that if if Kane does leave in the summer and with Conte, you know, someone who got the best out of Lukaku into Milan, do you think maybe... Luke, he could be the Kane replacement if Kane does leave? I think if Kane left, then absolutely it would be an ideal signing for Spurs. Uh, as you say, Conte doesn't know how to get the best out of him. It's whether he would obviously you know, change his system again mm-hmm. for him. Um, definitely, I don't see Kane leaving, personally. Uh, for me, there's only one or maybe two places where he could go, and that's Liverpool or Man United's. And I just don't see either paying the kind of money that Spurs are going to want for him. And it looks like he's a little bit happier now as well with life under Conte. He doesn't appear to have been making the same noises this summer. So I think he'll stick it out at Spurs this summer. So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't think that one will, will happen. Yeah, I mean, Kane, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd absolutely love you, Liverpool. I think he'd be perfect for our system. Um, but I think if you watch Lukaku, watching, I remember watching um, Neville talking about this. I think it was, I think one of the Skype and maybe it was Neville, someone else talking about the way it's not really worked out. That um, if you watch him, sort of at his best is when it's his first time balls through to him, and he's sort of quick to instinct to get it. But I think at Chelsea, you watch him so much. I think there's times where he had like single digit touches all game or all half or something like that, and he'd be 
waiting in the box. I think sometimes Chelsea will take too long to get the ball into him, which basically means they are adapting to his his kind of style. But um, yeah, Lukaku, I think that, so I mentioned, I just had to go Grealish before, but I think he can be better. I think he will improve next year. But I just, personally, I just can't see Lukaku improving. I think that his days are probably numbered. I just talked that, Tuchel didn't even want him. There's talk that um, it was a decision over his over his own authority to sign him, and um, I would not be shocked if he's almost one and done, and just completely just after one season, just you know what, see you later sort of thing. Just take the loss, just get rid of him, take him back to Italy. I mean, um, just, just sorry to interrupt, Andy. I mean, I, maybe you know a good move for Chelsea would actually be to try and you know sell him back to Inter. And we know Chelsea are in need of a, a centre back. If they could do a swap deal with Andrea Bastoni or Milan Skriniar, that would be, you know, a perfect bit of business, I think, for both clubs. So that could be one to watch for. Is there a buyback clause for Tomori? Can I ask? You know, for Man. I don't think there was one in search for Tomori because Tomori's was a. A loan at first, wasn't it? And then they, right, um, yeah, and, they, and then they bought him out, right? Yeah, with I think with Abraham, it's, they've got that option to buy him back for about seventy million. But whether they, I don't think they'll they'll look at that anytime soon. Yeah, I was just think I was just think about it. Obviously, it's um, Rudiger's already gone. Looks like Aspen is going to go as well. I mean, their defense right now. I mean, you guys mentioned actually one of the that I wasn't there for. Um, you know, I think um, with Alonso, Alonso is he going as well? Alonso. Apparently, so pretty sure. Going, yeah. you know, I know they've got Chilwell, but like they've got uh, Christensen looks like he's going to leave. Um, and right now, I leave him with what's it, Malang, Saar, and Thiago Silva. I mean, yeah, I mean, he might go back to the for the back, but even so, they need depth probably at the fence. And I think that maybe they would buy him back. I don't know, but um, personally, I think I they're really looking at him. Yeah, I think they're looking at Jules Conde, Conde from Sevilla, okay. but. Whether they well, they, you think they would pay that release clause, but um, they certainly need at least two centre backs, if not three. I don't think you can rely on Melan yeah. Sar um, or a thirty-eight-year-old no. Silver or Chalabo or anyone like that. Um, right, our next league, we're going to head to the league of the Champions League winners, which pays me to say it because it was a, it's a disappointing weekend or a seven days really, if you look at the Premier League as well. We're heading to La Liga. Um, so, Naeem, this is your turn to give me some awards. So, take it away. Hala Madrid. No, I'm joking. Um, oh, mate, don't say that. I had that all day Saturday from my man new <laughs> friends, my new mates as well. Oh, oh, it was horrible. Yeah, so kicking off my Player of the Season awards, it's pretty obvious who I'm going to pick, is Kareem Benzema. Um, obviously, he's the main striker for Real Madrid. He's been in, he was nearly involved in half of uh, Real Madrid's goals they scored with scoring 27 goals and 12 assists. Uh, Real Madrid scored 80 goals in the league. So, yeah, he, um, he pretty much contributed to half the goals that they scored. You know, he's he's been at Real Madrid for 10 plus years. You know, he's, he's, there's, there's not much more I really can say about him, really. Um, that hasn't already been said, you know. Um, there was obviously talk of him maybe leaving, but I can't see that happening anytime soon. And, yeah... I'll go with him for my player of the season because, yeah, he's he, he's pretty much carried Real Madrid on their back this season with the um, goals he scored in the league and in the Champions League. So, yeah, I've gone do for... You, um, do you yeah. think that he is... An, uh, he's, obviously, sorry to interrupt you there, but do you think Benzema, after winning the Champions League, 
season he's had. Do you think there's any way he's not going to win Ballon d'Or, especially considering now they do it after the season rather than after the year? I, I can't see it being anyone but him. It'd either be out of him, either Salah, Salah or Mane, I'd probably say, but you know, they usually go for how many trophies you win and things like that. So I reckon, yeah, he'll probably win it this season. Um, and yeah, the, the, the players that he's off against, you know, they've had good seasons as well. So yeah, I think he'll just edge it. But yeah, I think, yeah, you'll, he'll, he'll get it this time around. Yeah, he deserves it as well, to be fair. Um, yeah, I think this is probably the, the one where I think for me, I'm very grateful to have been lived in the era where we had the Ronaldo and Messi era. I'm really grateful we had that. Mm. But for me, it's very refreshing to have neither of them. Def- no one's even close. Messi, Ronaldo, nowhere near winning Ballon d'Or this year. I think last year they were sort of in the talk, but I think this year, I think this pop, this, de- well, this definitely is the end now of them being the top echelon of players. And I think it's going to be nice to see a few years where it's going to be different players. I think there'll be a point again where a player wins it a lot, but I don't think it'll be anywhere near the consistency we saw with Ronaldo and Messi. So I'm really glad to see Benzema win it. Um, but it just makes me even more sad that Lewandowski didn't get the chance to win it in 2020, which is always will always haunt me because yeah, that was one of the best seasons I've ever seen. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah. That COVID so, <laughs> yeah, COVID just ruined everything for him because he was absolutely dead certain. I mean, you know, the year before, those could be Messi, could be Van Dijk, but I think 2020, it was definitely a yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my next award, obviously, is Young Player of the Season. I was going to go for Pedri, but he didn't really play that many games. He was injured for quite a while. So I'm going to go for another Real Madrid player, and I think he just about makes the young player of the season. Um, I'm going to go with Vinicius Jr. Uh, oh. <laughs> had to mention, didn't you? Had to mention him. Had to, man. He's had a good season, man. He's had a yeah. good season for Real Madrid. Um, I can't, I can't argue with that. I mean, I mean, he dogged that Man City as well, so I, I like him even more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, with him, you know, uh, comparing him his output from last season under Zidane compared to this season on Ancelotti, it's pretty much night and day. He's got a really good uh, partnership now with Benzema. Um, after they had a little bit of a falling out um, quite a while back, but they seem to have obviously settled their differences. And yeah, that them two have just been the, probably the most informed forwards uh, in the league. So. I'm going to go with Vinicius Junior as my pick. It would have been Pedro if he played more games because what that guy's doing at 19 years old for Barcelona is, is pretty pretty special. And, you know, everyone kind of likens him to either Xavi or Iniesta. But I, I, I prefer it when people don't compare players to, you know, players that have already been there before. You know, it's just good to see, it's just good, to see good players, really. So it would have been him. But, yeah, I want to, Vinicius Junior edges it. Manager of the season, um, no-brainers, Ancelotti. It came in from obviously he was at Everton last season. You know, obviously when Real Madrid come crawling, you're not gonna you're not gonna turn that down for um for for staying at Everton. It he's it, come in, won the league. Uh, they won it by 13 points in the end. But obviously Barcelona, they they didn't start off well in the season, but it'll be good to see what they do next season. But yeah, Ancelotti, man, you know he's he's the first the first ever manager to win the league in all five top leagues. So. Yeah, credit to him, and yeah, he just he just knows how to how to get get these um these get these trophies really, and obviously he he's won four Champions Leagues, and he won two as a player as well. So yeah, he's had, he's had a good career, but yeah, he he's my manager of the season, goal of the season. 
there was quite a lot to choose from. There were quite quite a few uh, goals from the halfway line, uh, which was which is good to see. But I'm going to go with Jordi Alba, his goal against Atletico Madrid. Yes, uh, I'm glad you picked that one. Yeah, it was it it, it, it was going to be always going to be that one. Really, I, I had to look at some of the other ones, but the technique on that goal. So basically, uh, Danny Alves gets it in the box, takes a touch to control it, takes another touch, and he just crosses it into Jordi Alba, who's on the left hand side of, inside the box. He's unmarked, and then yeah, he literally just volleys it first time, and it goes into the top right hand side of the goal, and Oblak could do nothing but look. So. That one, it was my goal of the season. Like I said, there was quite a few goals from the halfway line, but you know that's that's it's, it's more luck than really anything because you see the goalkeeper off his line, so you might as well hit it. But yeah, the technique for Jordi Alba's goal, uh, you know, was good, and he did score a similar goal to that um, thing a few weeks later. So yeah, that's my goal of the season. Sign of the season, it was a toss-up between Rafinha and Dan Juma, but I've gone for Dan Juma, who came in from Bournemouth to Villarreal. He ended up being their top goal scorer this season. Dan Juma came in for about 23 million euros, so it wasn't really that much by by stretch. He had a good season at Bournemouth the season before, and so with Unai Emery, it doesn't have to pick uh, these players out. He, he has he has got a good talent ID, to be fair. So. Yeah, for the impact he's made, Dan Juma, I'm going to go with him. And yeah, he, he, I think he was their top goal scorer in the Champions League as well. So, you know, they went, they went on to a good run into the semi final. So, yeah, he's going to go for my uh, signing of the season. My worst signing of the season um, is a player that actually joined in January. Um, it's, I'm going to go for Ferran Torres, who came in from Man City. Yeah, I think they reported Barcelona reportedly paid about fifty-five million euros for him. Now uh, he he scored a few goals and got a few assists, but he, when you watch him play, he does he does miss quite a lot of chances. And I know he's still young, but uh, for the money that they paid for him, you know, Bamian came in on, on pretty much on a free, and you know he he hit the ground running pretty quickly. But we'll see how well he does next season um, if Lewandowski comes in, but. Yeah, my worst signing of the season will have to go to Ferran Torres um, just for the sheer money they paid and uh, and the impact that he's had, which hasn't been too much. So, yeah, those are my, my awards for La Liga. One question I want to ask you, Naeem, before we head on to our final league of the day, mm-hmm. um, it's a player that we've been linked with and a player that I've heard really good things about, but I've never watched. Um, is a young player with tall that we're going to activate the £42 million release clause of Barcelona's young player, Gavi. Now, I've never watched him play, but as someone who watches La Liga like yourself, I mean, you obviously you must have seen him a few times. So, is he worth the money, would you say? I know there's a lot of talk about him, but would you say he's someone that we should look into? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's percent. all I need to know. That's, that's yeah, that's all you need to know. Move on. No. Um, yeah, no, I, I, for £42 million, you know, he's, he's, he's still young as well. Um I, I reckon, yeah, you, you should go in for him. Um, he, he'd be a good replacement for some of the midfielders that you have. He, he hasn't he hasn't played too much for Barcelona because obviously his age and you know he's got Pedri in front of him, who's obviously had a good season despite his injuries. But yeah, I, I reckon, yeah, you should should go in for him. You know, he, like I said, he's a young player. I think he'll fit into your system pretty well. To be fair, a system that slot plays. So yeah. I, I would, I would, I would gamble on him and yeah, pay that release clause. 
because obviously, and I know Man United want Frankie De Jong, but I don't think he wants to. You know, he doesn't want to leave. So, yeah, I, I'd say that would be a good good move if you actually do go in for him. Um, it'd be a good good signing for the future, and you never know, you could actually slot into your first team now because obviously you do need more squad depth. So yeah, mm. it's, it would always be good to have a player like that um, to come off the bench. Or even yeah, start games. I mean, simply get him this year, get Bellingham next year, get Kane in the summer. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think FSG will allow that, mate. <laughs> uh, and Nessie District, I, mean, I reckon we'll buy probably use the money we get from Marnie probably to buy one of these players in the summer. But oh, is he going on a free or has he still got a year left? Um, no, I think Marnie's going for 32 million. They're saying to buy Munich um, if he does go. And then obviously 42 million pounds for, as well as someone, I think will sell someone like the Ox. I think I think he'll be sold as well. So um, He's probably tell yeah. him off, probably. I mean, I, I don't surprise me if he goes back to you guys or goes to Southampton <laughs> or goes abroad. I think he might like the abroad, but or even I think he definitely will go to MLS. I mean, with Perry now, you know, no longer in the band, I think they're having a break and all that, and I think they'll want to have a good lifestyle in LA, and I think they're quite big, aren't they, in LA? So I think I can definitely see him one day playing for LA Galaxy or LAFC or, or something like that. Um, we mentioned the Bundesliga. That is our final league where we're giving our awards out. So, Jonathan, over to you. For player of the season, I'm going to go with the Bundesliga player of the season, Christopher Nkunku. 35 goals, 20 assists in all competitions this year. It's a fair shout to say Robert Lewandowski yet again, but I just think the year that Nkunku had, Leipzig wouldn't have come close to winning the DFB Pokal with Adam. You know, they had a decent run in the Europa League. Uh, he just does it all. Versatile, can play up front in the number nine role, can drop back. Is so creative, right foot, left foot. I mean, it really doesn't matter. And we'll be interesting to see if Leipzig are able to hold on to him this summer. I feel like they will, as they've got Champions League. They barely snuck in for that fourth place. And, and yeah, he's fully deserving of that player of the season. Young player of the season. I'm going to go with a tie of Florian Wirtz and Josko Gvardiol. Wirtz is 19. Gvardiol is 20. Uh, Verts had an ACL injury, which sort of hampered. I think it would have easily run away with this award if that didn't happen in the middle of the year. But to start the campaign, he was just sensational. So good, creating so many chances up the middle. And, you know, without a doubt, he'll be making a Premier League move in the next couple of years. And Joshua Vardiol is one of the best, you know, center backs in the world. Left-footed center backs are of such a need right now in Europe, and so many teams want them. Um, and he's one of the best, and he's only going to keep getting better. Let's see. For manager of the season, I've got Urs Fischer from Union Berlin. He is definitely not extremely well-known outside of Germany, but the work he's done transforming what's now the best club in Berlin by a mile um, is absolutely unbelievable. Union were promoted just a few years ago. They won in the relegation playoff, which hardly ever happens in Germany. And all of a sudden, they were in the Conference League this year, and now he got them into fifth place, and they're going to the Europa League. It's unbelievable stuff for a club with one of the smallest budgets in the league, uh, an extremely small stadium, and, and players that left in the middle of the season as well. Max Kruse went to Wolfsburg, probably his second or third best player on the team, and Marvin Friedrich, excuse me, Marvin Friedrich went to Gladbach, who was their best defender. So to lose two of your best players in the middle of the season in January is extremely tough. And they still climbed the table towards the end of the year and, and got into fifth. Um, sensational stuff for Fisher, who really doesn't say a lot, but 
you know, I guess his actions speak for itself on the on the pitch. Goal of the season, I'm going to go Nico Schlotterbeck from Freiburg uh, against Wolfsburg in March. 87th minute, game 2-2. Ball sort of drops to him outside the box and just a thunderbolt screamer into the back of the net to win the game and a big three points for Freiburg at the time who we were pushing towards Europe. Uh, it's just an unbelievable strike from a great player and, and a center back nonetheless. Uh, goal of the season and definitely a little bias there for me. Signing of this year, I'm going to go with David Rom. He came over on a free transfer from first. No one had really paid much attention to this transfer. He automatically started on for Hoffenheim on that left side and 13 assists on the year was dishing it up all season long and, and Hoffenheim players literally couldn't miss. Um, given Philip Kostic to run for his money as who's the best creator down the left in Germany, a great signing. And for free, nonetheless, expect him to leave Hoffenheim very soon and even this summer as Dortmund are in need of another left back in case Guerrero does head out. And finally, worst signing of the season, Marcel Sabitzer, a Bayern fan growing up, you know, major player at RB Leipzig, had big hopes coming to Bayern. And even when Kimmich and Goretzka were both injured, he slotted in and really had a tough time for a while, you know, until near the end of the season, he had no goals or assists to his name in any competition. So, you know, a difficult signing for Bayern Munich. It looks like they're giving him another year, another chance, but for the 15 or so million euros they paid for him for such a player and such hype coming in, major disappointment. Yeah, that really surprised me when I, you know, I was looking at a stat to one point during the end, hearing him now. I mean, he's someone I watched for um, Leipzig and he really impressed me. I thought he was someone that really would, I thought would really fit into Bayern and he just obviously hasn't worked out for him. So I think that, yeah, it's, it's a shame really um, because, yeah, from what I saw from Leipzig, he's a very capable player. Um, but yeah, that is the awards part of the podcast. Now we are heading to our predictions. Now, 